Match Chat is brought to you by Walters. Make Walters your spot to watch the Capitals. March to the Stanley Cup. Plenty of TVs and beer selections. Game one is Tuesday night in Florida. Puck drops at 730. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the pitch swung on a dribbler to the left side. Fielded by Crawford. He's not going to get an out anywhere. An off-balance throw to first is too late. The first major league hit for Lucius Fox scores Kbert Ruiz from third with the Nationals' fifth run of the inning. Here's the 0-1. And a swing and a ground ball left side past the diving Vossler. Another base hit for Victor Robles and another RBI. Robles is two for three. In the series, he's 8 for 11. He's driven home five runs in the series. The 0-1. Ford swings and lines a base hit to right field. This will score two. The Giants have played five runs in the seventh inning. It's now 8-5, to five, and the Giants bring the tying run to the plate. Now McGee to the belt. Kicks, delivers. Swing and a drive in the air to deep right center field. No one will catch this one. It's down and rolling to the wall in front of the Nationals' bullpen. In at second with a bases-clearing three-run double is Yadiel Hernandez. It puts the Nationals back in front by six. Yadiel Hernandez. It's the Nationals' 11 and the Giants' five. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, May 2nd, 2022, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Oracle Park in San Francisco. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. It had been a while, and finally, the drought is over. The Nationals have won a series again. The Nats had not won a series since winning two of three games at the reigning defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves, April 11th through the 13th. But on Sunday, on May 1st, the Nats clinched a series victory once again, winning two of three at the San Francisco Giants via an 11-5 win on Sunday. The game was crazy for a lot of different reasons. The game became close when it otherwise looked like it was going to be a no-doubt route, but the Nats pulled away as the Nats' bats continued to emerge. We had the 14-4 Nats win on Friday night. We have this 11-5 win on Sunday. Nats get to 8-16 and on the season. I don't know if this is indicative of the offense rising or if this is just a nice weekend in San Francisco, but I'll tell you what, Mark, it's nice to be talking about a Nats series win for the first time in a few weeks. So who would have imagined now that the two series that the Nationals would win would come against the Braves, like you said, defending World Series champions, 
And the Giants, who won, what, 107 games last year and are off to a really good start themselves this year. It does remind you that you never know what you're going to get, but also that they can, when they put it all together, they can be a good team on any given day. It's not always guaranteed. They need a lot of things to go right. But when it does happen, they have the ability to do a lot of good things. And you saw that for the most part over the weekend. This was a well-played, for the most part, a few blips here and there, for the most part, a very well-played series in which they scored a lot of runs. And we saw the potential of their lineup. And we saw when they get good starting pitching, what that does for them. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about what's happened here with the offense. You had the eight-game losing streak during which the Nats totaled 16 runs. Then you have this three-game series of the Giants during which the Nats totaled 28 runs. So, you know, it's like you just don't know. The season is still evolving. And at some point, you figure the Nats were going to hit. It wasn't going to be like this throughout the year. At least, you know, you were hoping it wouldn't be that way. And uh, the Nats ended up doing a really good job in this series. So I give them full credit. Like you said, the Giants are a good team. Giants have been, especially from a bullpen perspective, one of the better pitching teams in baseball. And that the Nats got to the Giants pitching in this series, as the Nats did, really impressive. So it's funny, man, because there's so much we can say about the offense. But I have to tell you, to me, the biggest bright spot coming out of this win on Sunday was the Nats starting pitcher. I actually think that that's the A topic, even though the Nats offense was superb on Sunday. Josiah Gray on Sunday, went out and pitched like an ace. I mean, point blank period. He goes out there and he gives the Nats arguably the best outing from an ad starting pitcher so far this season. You know, there have been one or two others that were good, but if this wasn't number one, this is number two. I mean, that Yoana Don outing was quite good when he pitched into the seventh, but Josiah Gray on Sunday pitched like the guy who you were hoping he would become when the Nats made the big trade with the Dodgers last summer, shipping off Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Josiah Gray on Sunday in this 11-5 win at the Giants, six scoreless innings. Now, you know, it's funny. He wasn't exactly pounding the strike zone. Josiah has been racking up the strikeouts. Didn't do that in this game. Only had three strikeouts. He did issue four walks. He did throw a wild pitch. And if you look at his uh, strikes versus balls, 93 pitches, he only threw 53 strikes versus 40 balls. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily like this lights out dominant performance, but He only gave up one hit, which was a single. The run prevention obviously was there. He was facing a good team, and he gives you six scoreless innings like that. Josiah Gray struggled in his first outing of the season, but since then, over his last four starts, he has been quite good overall. He's got an ERA of 312 over five starts, and I tell you, it really does feel like we are seeing a good pitcher develop before our eyes. So I know, Al, you've already read my game story from this win, but if anyone out there hasn't read it yet, you just basically read the lead to my story that all those other things that happened that were really good in this game, the most important thing to me absolutely was Josiah Gray, and not just for what it meant for this game, but in the bigger picture. And I'll even take it a step farther. To me, it all boils down to one at bat in the bottom of the fifth. So Gray gets through four hitless innings, four and two-thirds hitless innings, then gives up a single and two walks, and all of a sudden the bases are loaded with two outs in the fifth, and here comes Darren Ruff, who's having a rough season to get started here, but was pretty productive for them last year and is just physically like an imposing hitter at the plate when he steps up. And this is that moment, and we've seen it from Josiah in the past, where he could pitch really well, but all of a sudden one little mistake can blow everything up in his face. He can give up a home run, which often happens, or just lets an inning get the best of him. And all of a sudden, what could have been shaping up to be a really good start ends up just being an okay start. And so this to me was the moment he strikes out rough on four pitches, finishes it with a slider, 
The pause, the kick, and here it comes. Swag and a miss. He struck him out with a slider to get out of the inning. You saw some emotion from Josiah as he hopped off the mound. He knew that was a big spot. He gets through that. Davey sends him back out for the sixth. He has a quick sixth inning, completes it. Now he's at 93 pitches. That's the kind of development you want to see from a young starter to get through that little moment of adversity, take what could have been you know, turning into a disaster and flip it around, make it a big moment for him, keep them from scoring. I think, you know, let's see how this all plays out. But someday later this year, we may look back on that moment against Darren Ruff and say that was a key moment for Josiah Gray in his development and ascension from just being a back of the rotation starter to being a frontline starter. You know, we had this conversation on, I think it was the last installment of the podcast about Carter Keyboom. And I said to you, you know, those who can do, I really do believe that for the most part, you know, this isn't 100% true, but for the most part, young players who are supposed to be good will show you that they're good sooner rather than later. And you'll see it early in their tenures. We've seen it with Josiah Gray. We saw it in his initial few outings last season. He did then struggle, but he did then pitch better late last season. And so far this season, He's doing a good job. We're seeing enough good from him to believe that this guy is going to become a good starting pitcher. Does he become elite? I don't know. But does he become you know, a, a very viable number two starter in a rotation? Yeah, I think he does. We put out a uh, Twitter poll. You can always uh, follow us on Twitter, at Nats underscore chat. Now that you have seen a bit more of a sample of Josiah Gray, what's your realistic expectation for where he fits into a future Nats rotation. And the three options are ace, frontline starter, or a cog in a five-man rotation. And the runaway leader so far is frontline starter. I mean, I think people are looking at him as being a realistic number two starter. I think if you're scripting this out as a Nats fan, Cade Cavalli is your ace, Josiah Gray is your number two. Now, who knows if it works out that way, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Josiah Gray, at least, is going to do his part here, that he's becoming what you hoped he would become with the Nats made the trade to get him. So at the time last year, and, and as you saw things play out in September, the name that people kept associating with him was Jordan Zimmerman. They thought there were some similarities there in that he's not necessarily that dominant, blow-you-away kind of starter, but he has the ability. He is a tough kid who can fight through some adversity. He can grind out innings for you and be like that number two starter. Good athlete like Jordan is, came from a small college, Division II. And there's a lot of similarities there. We don't know if this is all going to play out exactly like this. But if Cade Cavalli is the next Steven Strasburg and Josiah Gray is the next Jordan Zimmerman, then the Nationals are in really good position in the long run moving forward. Long way to go before we can actually say that that is true. But the evidence so far on Josiah, I think, trends more in that positive direction than the negative direction. There's still some bumps, still some things he's got to work out. But like I said, I think a start like today, we very well may look back on this and say that that was one of the first really big moments for him to show what he can be and that he could sort of take off from there and start doing that consistently. Yeah. And I think it's encouraging too, if you're a Nats fan, because look, this season has not been pretty so far. There have been a lot of losses. There have been a lot of people struggling and, you know, you kind of get discouraged. So you think about, well, what matters? And Josiah Gray, you could argue in terms of the guys on the major league roster right now, how he performs, that matters more than how any other player on the active roster performs. I mean, I think you could really make a strong case. And so he's doing well. So you could say like everything else right now, some of it is painful. Some of it, maybe not as much, but like Josiah Gray is doing well. Like you start with that, like that's good. 
That's what I think so many of us cared about coming into the season. So it's nice to see this. You know, we're five starts into his season, but really good job by him. You know, also good six scoreless innings on a day on which he's not striking a bunch of people out so that he can have a good outing without a bunch of strikeouts, even though he has become a strikeout pitcher. I think that's good too. You know, he can kind of get you without his A stuff or get you without having all the strikeouts in, in a given outing. I think that was encouraging as well. Right. So he's had better starts in terms of, you know, 10 strikeouts a couple of times. But I agree. The ability to get the outs and get quick outs because the pitch count was such that he could get through the sixth. That's an important thing. He got through six on 93. We've seen a few times where that count got up too high by the fourth or the fifth, and he never really had a chance to go deeper into a game. So I think in a lot of ways, you could almost say this is a better or at least more important outing for him to learn how to be successful when he doesn't necessarily have swing and miss stuff like we've seen in some other starts. So I think that's bigger for him, like you said, facing a good lineup. I mean, look, the guy had a no-hitter into the fifth inning. He wasn't going to go all the way, obviously. That wasn't ever going to happen. And his pitch count never would have survived that long. But this was a really good start for him. I don't want to like downplay it. I think it was a really, really good and really important start for him and for this team. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Juan Soto? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. Works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons, just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflict. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you. And that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call him today at 202-486-3535 or check out his website, Zenith legal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Cobb sets first base side of the rubber, kicks, delivers, and a swing and a line shot up the middle of base hit into center field. Soto scores from third. Rounding third coming home is Cruz, and he will score. With a slide, even though there was no play at the plate. It's a single to center. Two runs batted in for Yadiel Hernandez, who comes up big in the clutch. He drives in his eighth and ninth runs of the year. And the Nationals have that crooked number on the board here at the top of the first inning. It's Washington three and San Francisco nothing. All right, now to the offense, which was tremendous for a second time in three games in this 11-5 win at the Giants on Sunday. So the Nats put up five runs in the top of the first Two runs in the top of the sixth, another run in the top of the seventh. The bullpen then completely falls all over itself by giving up five runs in the bottom of the seventh, and then the Nats respond with a big three-run top of the eighth inning. There's the micro of the game and the macro of the series. Let's deal with the micro of the game, the star of the game by far in terms of the offense, Yadiel Hernandez. What a job by Yadiel on Sunday. He was an ad starting left fielder at number five batter. He went three for four with a three-run double, another double, a two-run single, and a walk. Yadiel Hernandez on Sunday had five runs batted in. He in that Nats five-run first had a one-out two-run single up the middle on a one-two pitch for a three-nothing Nats lead. Top of the second, he drew a one-out seven-pitch walk. In the Nats one-run seventh, he had a leadoff opposite field double off the left center field warning track on an 0-2 pitch. And then the big blow. This was so big, given what had happened in the bottom of the seventh. Yadiel in that Nats three-run eighth is responsible for all three runs. A one-out three-run double to the right center field gap to give the Nats an 11-5 lead. You know, Yadiel had a double and a single in the 9-3 loss at the Giants on Saturday. He now is batting on the season 340. He has a 368 on base percentage. He's slugging 509. He only has 57 plate appearances, but, you know, we have seen a decent amount of him. The book on him has been very simple for years. Not great in the field, but the guy can hit. He is really hitting so far this season. And man, was he huge for the Nats on Sunday. He has become really in the last couple of weeks, one of their most important hitters. You know, with Juan Soto, not really uh, where he wants to be with Nelson Cruz, you know, really not even close to what he's supposed to be. It's been the Josh Bell show and it's been the Yadiel Hernandez show here for a while. What he's been able to do especially compared to last year. He's always been a good fastball hitter. Remember, we would talk last year about how we would struggle on off-speed stuff. He's gotten better at that. He's hit lefties well. He drives the ball to the opposite field so effectively. It's really like his natural swing. And coming through with those spots, that base is clearing double. I can't tell you what a difference that made in this game. The crowd, it's 38,000 fans here on a Sunday afternoon. Their team is down 8 nothing. They're down 5 nothing in the first inning, and they're down 8 nothing later on. In so many other towns... This place would already be half empty. Here, most of the people were still here, and they were into it. And when the Giants scored those runs in the seventh to all of a sudden make this a game, the crowd was totally into it to the point that you're almost thinking, who's actually winning here? Like, you would almost have thought just if you didn't see the scoreboard, you would have thought the home team was winning. 
And then when Yadiel hits that double to the gap and the base is clear, half of the people here immediately went for the exits. The volume went way down. That was it. I mean, that's the perfect example of taking a crowd out of a game and putting a game on ice, which is what he did there. And I've got to tell you, I think we're getting to a point now where David Martinez just has to find a way to for Yadiel Hernandez to be in the lineup, if not every day, pretty close to it. Until other guys are consistently producing, he needs to be in there. He's that important to their lineup right now. Yeah, and if you don't like his defense, you wonder if you start to see him get some designated hitting starts for the Nets. Are we going to continue to see Nelson Cruz on an every game basis? You know, I still do believe Nelson will hit, but you know, he isn't hitting. It's not happening right now with Nelson Cruz. It feels like he gets all of his RBIs on like sacrifice flies and like ground outs. You know what I mean? Like when he comes up with men on base, like that's almost like what you're hoping for at this point with Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is batting 148. He has a 240 on base. He's slugging 216. It's tricky because there is a track record there. You want to give the guy a chance. It's somewhat reminiscent of what we went through with Josh Bell early last season when he was so bad and then he became so good. And so you're like, all right, well, maybe Nelson Cruz will deliver like that. But, you know, Nelson Cruz is older. And I'll tell you something else with Nelson Cruz. If you look at what he did last season, he did start to tail off as last season went on. So, you know, you could argue if you want to, hey, age 41 season, better in the first half of last season as compared to the second half of last season. Maybe this is the decline of Nelson Cruz. I don't know. I hope that's not the case. We'll see. But I do wonder if maybe you do start to see Yadiel get some designated hitter uh, starts for the Nets in the coming weeks. Yeah, look, I think we have to acknowledge that there is a chance that what you just outlined there is what's happening with Nelson Cruz, who's 41 years old. One of these days, it's just not going to be there anymore. And yes, there were signs after he was traded from Minnesota to Tampa Bay last year that did leave you a little bit worried about what was to come. Now, are we at that point yet? No, I fully expect him to be DHing, if not every game, close to every game. But there could be a point, the not too distant future, where if this is still going on, you do have to start considering some other options. I agree. I think what's discouraging about it is it's so many ground balls especially with runners in scoring position. This isn't the case of, oh, well, he just missed that pitch or he just got under it and hit it you know, to the warning track. And in a couple months, that ball's going to leave the yard. There have been very few of those kind of swings. He's chasing out of the zone. It's something they've talked to him a lot about. They really want him to try to stay in the zone more. They want him to find his good fastball early in the count over the plate and take advantage of it. And he's not. It seems like he's down 0-1, 0-2 all the time fighting an uphill battle. It has not been great. Now, it's May 1st, so we're a month into this. They're not going to make any moves yet, but the clock is starting to tick there where you need to see something from him. I would say for now, the guy who's probably most in jeopardy of losing at bats because of Yadiel Hernandez is Lane Thomas, who has not gotten going himself this year after his great season last year. And for a while, Lane would get his at-bats in center field. But now that Victor Robles has been resurrected from the dead, you can't take him out of the lineup. So I'll be interested to see how much we uh, get of Yadiel and left and Victor in center. And then maybe as Davey did on Sunday, once they had a lead late, that's when Lane Thomas came in to play left field for the final few innings of the game. Yadiel's an interesting guy. This is his age 34 season. He's obviously relatively new, though, to Major League Baseball. He's not due to be a free agent until 2027. He's got that Paolo Espino thing where he'll be a free agent around his age 40 season, which I just find to be hysterical. So it's like, is there going to be a bidding war for Paolo and Yadiel as they're going into their 40s in free agency? I don't know. We'll have to look into our crystal balls for that.
Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It is Window Nation's graduation sale. If your old windows are failing or just not making the grade, here's a homework assignment so that you get an A. Call Window Nation and get to the head of the class. Window Nation has installed over a million windows in over 150,000 homes with 96% of those homes needing no follow-up service. Over 1,500 custom window combinations are available, vinyl and fiberglass. You can increase the value of your home with curb appeal and save money on your energy bills by replacing your old inefficient windows with new energy-efficient Window Nation windows. Window Nation has installed over a million windows and has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Call 866-90-NATION or visit Window nation.com. Make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you, but give Window Nation a call, 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. One more time, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Robles is two for three. In the series, he's eight for 11. He's driven home five runs in the series. Stay hot, Victor Robles. The new Willie Mays for the Nationals, Victor Robles. You know, I mentioned micro versus macro. So on Sunday, the story was Yadiel Hernandez. But in this series, I think in a lot of ways, the story offensively for the Nats is Victor Robles. And could it be, might it be, that we will look back upon this late April slash early May Nats series at the Giants in 2022 as the series in which the Victor Robles renaissance began. Victor Robles in this series was an at starting center fielder and number eight batter in all three games, and he was tremendous offensively. He finishes the series eight for 12 with a double, seven singles, and two walks. But, you know, it's not even just that. He had big hits for the Nats in this series. He had two strike hits for the Nats in this series. He was bunting for hits for the Nats in this series. I I mentioned this to you in the last installment of the podcast. There is like a a swagger, a confidence with him. He in the top of the third on Sunday puts down that one out first pitch bunt single. It was beautiful. And he almost had like a smirk on his face. Like he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He did it. The execution was picture perfect. Uh, That Nats one run seventh. He has the two out ribby single through the left side of the infield to put the Nats up eight nothing. The five run first, he drew a two out full count seven pitch walk to load the bases. This guy is like a different hitter over these last few games. It's so nice to see this. I'm glad it's coming across on TV because in person you're seeing the exact same thing, the confidence and the swagger that we knew from him as a rookie in 2019 has been back the last few days. Now, again, it's a really small sample and you hope this isn't just a case of an incredibly hot weekend that then he falls back to where he was. But it does feel like this is a significant moment for him. These aren't cheap hits. I know you're going to say, well, there's some infield singles, some bunt singles. Yeah, but that's his game. Like he's delivering hits the way that he can do it. And then also coming through with line drives and and clutch hits and big moments and all of that. He continues to play outstanding defense. He was running the bases better. You know, we haven't really talked at all about Victor Robles making outs on the bases like we used to. That's another big part of all this that they've been asking for from him. So, yeah, I think at the end of all this, what are we going to say about this series? I think it's Josiah Gray and it's Victor Robles. And consider all those runs. What do you say? 28 runs the Nats scored in this series. Like a huge offensive output. Now consider they did that with Nelson Cruz not really producing at all. Cabert Ruiz really has not been producing 
at all. Josh Bell's had his moments like he has all year. Juan Soto had a few moments at the big homer on Friday night. But really, they scored all these runs in large part with Victor Robles at the center of it. Michael Franco had a good series. Yadiel Hernandez, like we just said, Cesar Hernandez was getting on base. But that to me shows that this lineup can be really productive when guys like Victor Robles are producing. It doesn't necessarily have to be Soto, Cruz, and Bell. They can do this when other guys are contributing. And Victor Robles can be an impact player in a lot of ways, even if he's down in the lineup, because of all the skills that he has. He can do it in so many different ways. I really love to see all of this. Again, let's hope that it continues and that this wasn't just a blip. But I do have a feeling that we're going to look back and say this was a turning point for him. And it's a long time coming and it's been really welcome for a lot of people around here. It's massive if it happens. Again, bigger picture. You're talking about the rebuild. If Robles is fixed, if the Nats have fixed the glitch of Victor Robles, that is so huge. That is so crucial. And that means so many good things for the Nats moving forward. If it's happened, we'll see. Uh, It's one weekend, as we keep saying. You mentioned Juan Soto. How about Soto on Sunday? Three singles, all of them up the middle. I got a kick out of that. That was good to see. Uh, Soto also uh, with a stolen base. And how about Lucius Fox getting in on the offensive act on Sunday? So Alcides Escobar was not the Nats starting shortstop on Sunday. Lucius Fox was. He went two for five with two infield singles and a stolen base, including a two-out RBI infield single to give the Nats the 5 nothing lead in that five-run first inning. Lucius Fox came into the game having gone 0 for 20 with one walk this season. He gets himself his first two major league hits. They're both infield hits. I mean, he's not hitting balls hard, but he hit him to where he could get on base on Sunday. So it was nice to see him get those hits. He was so relieved after this. He really wanted this. He needed this after the 0 for 20. For those who don't know, he was originally signed by the Giants for $6 million as an international free agent. Never made it with them. Went to Kansas City. Didn't make it with them. Briefly in Baltimore over the winter, didn't make it with them. So this meant a lot to him. And I don't know how it came across on TV, but the Nats dugout erupted when he beat out that infield single for his first hit. They'd been waiting to see it. They've been by his side this whole time. He said that he appreciates so much how they've had his back through all of this. So it meant a lot. But then what you saw is when he just gets on base, Lucius Fox can cause all kinds of havoc out there. He steals second, so he gets his first career steal right after the first career hit. Later in the game, the second single, he goes first to third on one of those Soto hits up the middle. And then I'm going to call it a steal of home. I know officially he scores on a wild pitch. The ball only went, I don't know, six, seven feet from the catcher. It was not far. Marte has his sign, the pitch. In the dirt, gets away. Here comes Fox breaking for the plate. The throw to the pitcher covering the tag for Marte. Safe is the call. But he took off immediately and beat the play at the plate. He has the ability to cause all kinds of problems for the opposition. He just has to find a way to get on base. He did it finally twice, and you could just tell what this meant for him. He's waited a long time for this. I don't know how much more playing time he's going to get, but I'm glad that he did finally get this and wasn't in a position where eventually they had to make a roster decision on a guy who was still over in his major league career. Quite the improvement from the previous Sunday when he had the uh, incident (laughs) on the infield with the throw-up. We go from that the previous Sunday with Lucius Fox to him getting a couple of hits in a stolen base on this Sunday. So very nice to see that. If there was a negative for the Nats in this 11-5 win at the Giants on Sunday, it was the bullpen. Um, Now, Tanner Rainey was good tossing a scoreless bottom of the ninth inning. And uh, Steve Ciszek did get the job done tossing a perfect bottom of the eighth with a couple of strikeouts. But man, that five-run seventh was rough. Uh, Victor Arano, Kyle Finnegan, 
and Steve Ciszek uh, combining on the damage there. And uh, it just, you know, was one of those uh, never-ending, painful, walk-laden innings from this Nats bullpen. Arano, you know this broke Davies hard to see this. Arano struggled. He faced five batters. He recorded just one out, gave up three singles and a walk. Uh, Kyle Finnegan, who has not looked great here lately, he had his problems in the inning, including issuing a one-out bases-loaded five-pitch walk of Darren Ruff. He then issued a two-out eight-pitch walk of Brandon Crawford to load the bases. Finnegan then got pulled from the game. So, you know, it was tough. It was another game in which Davey has to use at least four relievers. Now, the deadline is coming, and uh, this podcast is from Monday, May 2nd. It is on May 2nd to May 29th. You can have 14 pitchers on the active roster, and then it goes down to the 13. And uh, the Nats on Sunday night did uh, make some roster cuts uh, to get down to that number. Yeah, Sam Clay and Francisco Perez were the choices. This had been looming for a while. They knew they had to drop two relievers. It had to be relievers. They only have a three-man bench. They couldn't drop anyone else there. You know, we kept talking about all these auditions over the last week and them evaluating who can handle what situations. I think it's a little bit telling here that those are the two that they chose because those are two lefties. The only lefty who's left in the bullpen now because Sean Doolittle's hurt is Josh Rogers. And... Part of me has been thinking that we're about to see Rodgers take on more of a long man role and maybe be that bridge from middle innings to the late innings when a starter gets knocked out. But if he's your only lefty, you kind of have to use him in a matchup situation now, at least until Doodle comes back. And we don't know when that's going to be. So I'll be curious. We didn't get to talk to Davey about this. You know, the moves were announced later after we had already left the clubhouse. So we're going to have to wait till Tuesday in Denver to bring this up. But I'll be curious if this actually is a sign that they think that Rodgers might actually be most effective for them now as a matchup lefty, the only one they had. Clay and Perez both have had some issues since they've been up here. I'll admit, though, there were some other guys that I thought might have been in danger. Andres Machado has struggled at times. You said Finnegan has struggled. I don't think that's a move that's going to happen. And it turns out he had a cut on his finger that they realized like after he was done for the day. So they hope he'll be all right in a couple of days, but maybe that was affecting him somewhat. Um, Austin Voth, as we know, has had issues at times. There were candidates to be demoted. And in the end, they went with the two lefties. And we're going to see. I mean, you can say, oh, hey, that's minor moves. A couple relievers, you know, at the back end of the roster. What difference does it make? But I'll tell you what, for a month now, Davey's been able to make as many pitching changes as he needed. He's been able to compensate for the starters not lasting much. All of a sudden now, you're dealing with a more traditional number of players, pitchers on your staff. He's going to have to push starters farther. He's going to have to ask some relievers to go multiple innings. And he's not going to be able to pull the trigger like he did in this game. And it's so aggravating to watch, but he had to do it. Three relievers to get three outs in the seventh inning. He may not be able to afford to do that anymore. He may have to leave guys out there and hope they can get it done themselves. Yeah, I think some guys are going to have to start wearing some things. And you're you're just going to have those days where a guy's struggling and nobody's warming up. And Davey's like, all right, all right, uh, cowboy, you know, you got to ride this out, man. And and you got to figure this out. You know, the, the unfortunate truth is there were a lot of candidates to be cut here by the Nets. They do have a lot of relievers who just aren't that good, aren't that trustworthy. The bullpen certainly has had its moments lately, and we've, we've given the bullpen credit. But, you know, it's tough. Every game, as we keep saying, four relievers, five relievers, you can't keep doing that. It's, it's not, it's not going to keep working. It's not sustainable. And, you know, you, you did see, the, I think, start to see some of the cracks in that approach in this series. Bullpen did not have... A great series. So we'll see here. I mean, the starters need to be better, but 
you did get a very good outing from your starter on Sunday, and uh, that, as much as anything, uh, was great to see as the Nats get themselves a series win at the San Francisco Giants. Will you tell us what you think? You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, Nats Chat Podcast at gmail.com. That's Nats Chat Podcast at gmail.com. It is on to the Colorado Rockies next for the Nats. They have an off day on Monday, and then the Nats at the Rockies Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and on Thursday. And uh, Eric Fetty will be pitching on Tuesday night, Patrick Corbin on Wednesday night. Before we leave for the day, I want to give a shout out to a loyal listener who introduced himself. He came up to the press box. One of the nice things about San Francisco, the press box sits right on top of the lower deck and the walkway brings you right up to it. And so our man Moshe, who lives out here, but is a big podcast listener, tracked me down, said hello, introduced himself, said he's a big fan, and uh, I want to thank him for that and give him a little shout-out here on the air. Outstanding. Moshe, we appreciate that very much. Uh, All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And now Rainey delivers. Swing and a miss. Struck him out with a slider. A curly W's in the books, and so is a series win in San Francisco. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.